Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Schulich Pediatric Interest Group podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Megan. And today we're joined by Dr. Amrit Kerpalani. Um, Amrit, would you like to introduce yourself and your specialty? Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Amrit Kerpalani, and I am a pediatric nephrologist here at Western. So why did you choose pediatrics and why pediatric nephrology specifically? So I, I remember coming into med school thinking like, oh, I think pediatrics would be fun. It'd be fun to work with kids. And that's true. But I feel like the reason I chose it actually changed along the way because it's also fun to work with adults too. Um, but I think one thing I kind of learned during clerkship was the outcomes that you are looking for with pediatrics were, I think, something I just was more passionate about. Like it wasn't just about make them well, but it was about, you know, get them back to school, get them to be able to play soccer again, get them to prom, you know, make sure that kid can get to trick-or-treating on time and getting to watch them develop as well. So kind of doing what you can to help those kids have that normal childhood, I think was the thing that really drew me to pediatrics. Because I kept an open mind, even though I was thinking about it in the first place. Internal medicine was great. All the other specialties were great. But there's something about seeing that normal child development and getting them to those kind of key childhood milestones that I found really rewarding. Mm -hmm. And then for nephrology, uh, it was kind of a, I guess, accident in some ways. I... Remember at the end of clerkships, when you're going into fourth year, I think it's the same way now, right? You're trying to book your electives wherever. And I knew that I wanted to do something at Western. So I was trying to get an elective at Western. The only elective available was pediatric nephrology. Oh, so it was was an (laughs) Yeah, I was not thrilled about that at all. (laughs) I can say it now, the, the three nephrologists who were on service are now my three colleagues in nephrology. So I was just like, okay, whatever. It's the only one available. I'll do it. You know, I think the nephro block was good when Faisal and House taught us. So, you know, how bad can it be? And I loved it. I just absolutely loved it. And I remember I was kind of, I really liked Peds Emerge as well. And I kind of came into residency thinking like, oh, maybe Emerge, maybe Nephro. And then the first or second rotation of residency, we had, I was on CTU, so the general inpatient ward. And we had these really interesting nephrology cases, atypical hemolytic uremic syndrome, and it just, it sealed it for me. Wow. That's really interesting that you weren't, um, considering it before. So, but you did enjoy nephro, like in the block you, did you consider Absolutely. nephro at all? Or did you just like the, the you know, I just, I liked, and I think it's the thing that everybody says, the, the people who like nephrology, at least say like, it's the physiology is really interesting. There, I don't think there's a lot of people who come into medicine being interested in the kidney, right? It's not the, it's not the glamour organ, right? People come in, like there's a big cohort of people. And I was one of them who came in being like oh, oncology or something, which is, you know, great specialty or like cardiology, neurosurgery, all of those are really awesome things, but no one ever has kidneys on the top of their list. And it was just something about, you know, physiology made sense. Like it wasn't just memorizing it was like oh I get why that does that and why if someone has this condition you might want to do more of that and less of that there was a lot of chemistry in it and I yeah just something about it that was really really you know enjoyable and in the way that you can think stuff through and I like that where it's not just the guideline says this so I'm going to do that but it's 
the patient is doing this. So knowing how that works, I can do this. And it's one of those specialties where also you have a mix of acute and chronic. I think you kind of want a bit of both. So you have some patients where you can follow them from neonatal period all the way through. Right. And you can see them across their entire pediatric, uh, pediatric lives. And then at the same time, you have other patients where when you're on call, they need urgent dialysis or they're having a hypertensive emergency and you do get that acuity as well. So it's a good mix, I find. Do you enjoy the cases where you get to follow them kind of long-term? Absolutely. I think in general, yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to kind of build that relationship with patients and families and have that long-term that long-term follow-up and I guess it's like anything in medicine it can go both ways when it's you know good outcomes and good cases it's there's nothing better than seeing that long-term and seeing the kids get better and seeing them have these full lives but it can also you know it can also go the other way where you have those cases where it's very challenging where things aren't getting better and you feel like you are watching things you know go the wrong direction really what you're trying to do there is slow things down as much as possible or you know, think outside the box, do anything you can to try to stabilize things. So it can be, it can be hard, but I think it's rewarding at least when you have those longitudinal relationships with the parent, with the patients and the families that, you know, there's, you can build that trust. So no matter which way things are going, you're still kind of on the same team. Right. That's fantastic. Um, do you mind sharing a bit with us about your educational path going into PD nephrology, kind of starting with your undergraduate degree and where and what you did there? Yeah, absolutely. So I did my undergrad at McGill uh, in pharmacology. Oh. And just like anybody who did sort of medical science stuff in undergrad, right? Did all the typical classes that most people biochem, physiology, this and that. Um, and when I got to med school, so I did med school here at Western, meds 2015. <laughs> um, and yeah, when, like I said, went through, uh, went through clerkship and in kind of the fourth year was full out all in on peds, all pediatric electives. And then when I started residency, I also realized I had an interest in education as well. So I started residency here at Western. So I did the peds residency here. And then in my second year of residency, I had also started my master's in education. So I did that distance via Johns Hopkins. They have a master's of education in health professions program. So uh, I finished my residency here and I was doing my master's of education at the same time. And then after residency, at the end of my R3 year, I went to sick kids for two years of pediatric nephrology. And now I'm back and you guys are stuck with me here. <laughs> We're happy to be. And I was also wondering, uh, when did you kind of decide in med school that it was peds for you yeah it's right. you know coming in I was like oh, I think it'd be fun to work with pediatrics but I kept an open mind and I think when I actually decided decided was in clerkship because even those first two years I you know I was in the peds interest group I'd go to all the peds interest group sessions and I'd be like try to do observerships and stuff like that and they were helpful but it was clerkship where I would, where I went through and I was like okay this is the rotation that was the one where I was waking up every day and I was excited to go to work and I didn't mind staying late. And I still think this is maybe a bit like, maybe this is a bit counterintuitive that 
my internal medicine rotation was awesome. And it's the one where I maybe felt that I had the most autonomy and felt most like a doctor, but it was the, and I, I really like that kind of medicine, but it was the pediatrics block where it was, you know, I feel like I'm making the difference or that, you know, we're doing what I want to be doing every day. Right. And you had mentioned about um, medical education. Did you have any experience in like medical school with um, medical education projects or did you uh, realize in uh, residency that that's what you're passionate about? It's a great question. And, and I remember when I was in residency telling the story to then med students that I never thought about medical education at all in med school because I didn't, I didn't know you come in and they tell you this is how med school is. And you're like, okay, cool. You work so hard to get there. You just go through, right? Um, but so I never really thought about education med ed during med school until end of clerkship, I want to say, or sometime in clerkship, there was a internal medicine resident um, in who was a PGY3 in internal medicine at the time. And this guy was the best, just absolutely. And what I mean by that is he would take time out of his own schedule in the evenings he would do review sessions for us as clerks to help us pass our internal medicine clerkship exam. So he would go through like heart failure and COPD and you know chronic kidney disease and everything. And this wasn't like part of the clerkship curriculum. He just did it on his own time. And I remember asking him, he was like, yeah, like, you know, it's, it helps me be a better teacher. And it's, you know, it helps me learn this stuff better as well. And I enjoy teaching. And I remember like, we all just thought that guy was the best. He was like, I want to be this guy. So I remember when I got to residency in my first year, like I did that for clerks coming through PEDS, the PEDS clerkship, and I did that for the three years of residency. So it's, he kind of, I think, inspired them in me a bit. And then I initially was like, oh, I think I want to do more teaching. But then even as I got through the master's, I was like, yeah, teaching's great. But then I got more interested in like curriculum design. And then I got into that. And as the master's went on, I got more interested in medical education research. And that's kind of where I am now. So it, it didn't really sink in until residency, but I think he kind of, kind of sparked the flame there. That's awesome. So yeah, we're kind of moving a little different now, but what is a typical day in your life as a pediatric nephrologist? Most days I just wake up and do a podcast early. Um, <laughs> no, um, so it's kind of two different parts. Leave it to the nephrologist to get very granular, right? <laughs> There's the clinical side where, you know, two days a week. So I'm, I guess to backtrack, I'm an academic pediatric nephrologist. So I work uh, here at London Health Science Center. Uh, and the reason that's important is because I have my like, clinical life and then my academic life. So clinical stuff is two days a week. I'll have a clinic, a half day clinic, and it's a general nephrology clinic. So you'll have some new consults, hematuria, proteinuria, hypertension, nephrotic syndrome, whatever it may be. And then you'll have your follow-ups as well. Um, sometimes I'll have a resident or med student with me. Sometimes I won't. And, you know, that's usually the half day, two days a week. And then the part that nobody likes to think about in medical school or beyond there's paperwork and documentation that goes around that which is always lovely um, and then weeks where i'm on call so we we rotate who's on call for one week at a time amongst the four of us nephrologists then i would also be doing consults for the inpatients so if there's anyone admitted to 
the ICU or the inpatients or an eMERGE or, you know, anyone who's calling from outside, anywhere in our catchment area in, in a peripheral center where they, they want advice from a nephrologist, I would feel those as well. So that's where you kind of get the mix of, hey, you know, like you get your pager goes off and you call the way to do something. So that's the, the de general day-to-day, -day, the clinical part of it. Two, to eight, two days a week, there's clinic and call. When you're out of clinic, all that stuff that you've been doing, all those tests that you ordered, I think, I remember as a med student and even as a resident, it was kind of easy to put that out of your mind. You're like, well, I'm done clinic now. Clinic is done. But then I think what you come to realize is all of those things you ordered, those results like come back as well and things come up with those patients. So you do spend a lot of time either reviewing those results or fielding phone calls or, you know, getting, making new plans based on what comes up after that. And then my non-clinic days, I'm typically either doing teaching, um, working on research, preparing teaching or doing some administrative work either within our division or um, within uh, the education realm as well. So you kind of answered this, but I guess the settings that you're usually working in then are kind of both the hospital and the clinic? Yeah, it's a great question. So our clinic's in our hospital. Okay. So um, the setting is essentially, for me, it's all academic-based. There are pediatric nephrologists who work in the community, which doesn't sound like something we really think about in, in med school and residency. But if you were in a community practice, then yeah, you know, you might be in the hospital, you might be in your own outpatient clinic. But for me, it's all at the children's hospital. So I do uh, all my clinics there. And then if I'm on call, I might be seeing inpatients admitted on the wards as well. And then now we're also doing a lot more telemedicine. So a half day a week is, might be spent in your office doing clinic that way as well. And do you think that will last doing the kind of telemedicine thing beyond COVID-19? For sure, yeah. I mean, there were some people who were doing a lot of telemedicine before, but I think now everybody is as much as possible to some extent. It's not perfect by any means. There's definitely, I definitely feel like there's some patients or there's some, there's some things where I really, as soon as things open up, I would like to see this more in person. Um, there are some things I will try to only do by telemedicine from now on. Because um, I, I think there's a balance. There's some people where I really don't need to examine them. For instance, I do antenatal consults. So if if pregnant women have an ultrasound finding of something, uh, ab some abnormality in the kidneys, I'll usually do an antenatal consult for them. I don't need to bring them to clinic. I don't need to examine them. Right. It's really reviewing the scans and going over with them. And I've found that a lot of patients tend to like that. They're coming to hospital so often for appointments anyway, that to have one less is helpful. So those kind of things I think I would like to keep doing virtually. I, I do feel that it's helpful for patients and families who live very far to be able to offer the virtual format while keeping in mind that you don't, you wanna make sure you're still offering the same standard of care that if there is something I would do different in hospital, if there is something I would like to check, then I should do it. And you should have the same standard as everybody else. But if it's just a matter of rechecking the blood work and hearing how the symptoms are going, being cognizant of that travel time, I think it's definitely gonna stay around for the foreseeable future. Right, yeah, and especially it kind of reduces some of the barriers that some people have to, you know, getting- Absolutely. Um, so how do you find the work-life balance and lifestyle of a pediatric nephrology? It's a great question. So I guess I'd say for me and for us here, I think people do have a 
pretty good work-life balance. Um, I will say it probably depends on not just on the specialty you're in, but also on where you work. I think for us, you know, we, uh, we have a good team, you know, we, we have good team and good supports as well that, you know, you're generally able to escape the hospital when the work day is done. I'd be lying if I said we didn't sometimes take work home with us. Um, and I think that's something that's maybe a bit pandemic driven as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're working from home and then you, it's harder to separate when is, when is it work and when is it home? But I think overall people are still able to enjoy their lives and not have to worry about work on the weekends when you're not on call. So I think it's a pretty good work-life balance. I will say that different specialties in different hospitals can vary quite a bit. There's a lot of data from the U.S., for instance, that pediatric nephrologists actually had some of the worst work-life balance. Oh, interesting. Um, but again, I think it depends on the center you're in, who your colleagues are, the model you have set up. And I think one of the things we're very fortunate with here is not only that our division is great, but our general pediatrics program is very strong here at Western. So we have the tremendous support from, you know, they're the ones who are usually admitting most patients and we have strong residency program as well. And I think you can't understate how much burden that would take off you, even the weeks when you're on call. Mm-hmm. And how often are you on call then, right, usually? So for us, because we have uh, four physicians, we're one in four. So every every week there's one of us and we divide it up equally uh, by four. Uh, depending on the specialty you're in, uh, you may have, it may just be a matter of how many physicians are you in the division and divide by that number. Sometimes it's a bit more complicated if some people, so when you work at an academic center, as you guys may know, that your clinical time may vary depending on what your academic role is. For instance, if you were someone who was a scientist and you were gonna do mainly research, you might be less clinical than some of your colleagues. So you might do less call than some of them. So it depends on kind of how you set up your overall career plans in that way. For us, we're all even in that sense. And I'm about 50% clinical and 50% other stuff. Right. Um, what are some of the things that you like the most about your job? You know, tough question. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think for me, I like I like the com. I know I mentioned it briefly, but I like the combination of chronicity and acuity. So I like that I have patients who know me, who I know them, who I can check in, and I can see, you know, I I know the entire background every time I see them, and we you know we see how the disease is either progressing or improving and you you get to know each patient and it's not a one size fits all. So it's not just this disease, this drug, but it's, you know, for you and for what's going on. And, you know, because you are an athlete, this is important to you. So we got to work around this extra thing or, you know, because this is important to you, we're going to work around that. So getting to know your patients on a chronic level is, is I find it quite nice. And the mix of acuity, like I was on call, uh, I think it was two weeks ago now. And, you know, in one week we were starting different kinds of dialysis and plasmapheresis and there was all sorts of stuff happening all at once with some really rare things that come in. And we do see a a lot of rare things in nephrology as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the challenges that you face in your career? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's probably not unique to nephrology. Um, 
But when you learn about anything in medical school and residency, fellowship, whatever it is, you know, you're always in an academic center for your training, for, or for, for a lot of your training at least. So when we teach things and we learn things, it's this person has this presentation, here's all the tests you can order, here's all the results and, you know, do with that what you will. And I think what's really challenging is when you get to the point where you can't do that test or can't readily do that test or you can't get that result as fast as you want. And specifically, you know, we were talking about telemedicine earlier. What do you do when a family lives in Northern Ontario and they have to isolate for however many days or weeks on both sides during a pandemic? And you want them to have that test and the logistics of it, it's quite a burden on patients and families as well. It's one thing when you have patients admitted in hospital and you, we probably order more tests than we sometimes should. And we maybe need to be a bit better with that. But it's very hard when in nephrology, you're really dependent sometimes on blood work or on imaging. And it's really hard when you don't have all of those things at the tip of your fingers, when you want to provide equitable care for everybody without trying to burden people too much. So I find that really hard to navigate those challenges. How much do you, how much burden of travel, of time, of days off work do you put on someone to get all the tests you want to be able to make the best decision possible? And I still find that I'm navigating that now and I have a lot of internal debates with that every day. Right, so it's a little different than, you know, what reality is a lot different than what you learn in medical school, right? Absolutely. And people who only practice in an academic center, like I, I do only practice in academics, we get very used to everything at the click of a button. But when you're working in an outpatient setting and those patients aren't always there, it can be more challenging. Yeah, it depends on the location too, right? Like where tests are available. I'm sure in London, it's pretty, there's a lot of stuff available, but it's not always. Absolutely. Available. And then even in nephrology world, there's some tests that we can't get anywhere in Canada that we have to we're doing paperwork to apply to the government to get funding to send stuff overseas. So it's tough, but it's, you know, you're always going to advocate for your patients. And it's just tough when you, when you have to ask yourself, well, what is in their best, what do I think is in the best patient, patient's best interest? What do they think is in their best interest? And when, when those things are at odds with each other, that's when it can become difficult. Right. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? I think a lot of people, come into med school or get through med school thinking that pediatrics is family medicine for children. But I think the more accurate way to think about it is it's internal medicine for children. Interesting. So we, I think, I don't know about you guys, if you remember if you had a pediatrician as a kid and stuff like that, it's less and less common for pediatricians to do primary care. Right. So a lot of people think as your, of your pediatrician as like your family doctor when you were a kid, but a pediatrician is a, consulting physician so in general you're seeing a pediatrician if there's concerns for something that we think is a pediatric medical condition or pediatric medical something that needs subspecialized care so pediatricians are very different in that sense and it's not to say any specialty is better or worse than another one i think family medicine to me is always at the pinnacle like i think family physicians are always the most brilliant because i could never deal with that broad array of things. I, it, I am in awe of anybody who goes into family medicine. It would just, it's, it's overwhelming to me. And that's why maybe I'm a simple person who needed my one little organ, then I can just know everything about that one little organ. 
but yeah, I think that's one of those sh shifts in uh, like mindset that people don't uh, don't always realize. It's it's not family medicine for children. It's family family doctors can do that. It's internal medicine for children. I think everybody should keep an open mind. Pediatrics is awesome, and I think whether you love peds or hate peds, you should keep an open mind because clerkship I think is the time when you'll really you'll it'll kind of click that you'll you'll see what's for you whether it's peds or not and then within peds for the ones who are extra peds gunners I think it's always good to also keep an open mind about where you're going to end up and what you're going to do some people are super set on they want to work in the community they want to work in an academic center they need to live in this city or that city and that's fine to have those goals and to shoot for them just always keep an open mind you never know how things change so Try not to get too roped into one specific thing that you can do whatever you can to just always, you know, explore things around you as well. You never know where you're going to want to be. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us today. We learned a lot about pediatric nephrology. We really thank appreciate you. it. We do. And thank you everyone for listening and please stay tuned for more episodes on um, different pediatric specialties.